I just want to, the leap from that is that I just love church. I love the family stuff. I don't know if you were all, you were on the parish weekend. I love the way that families just come together. And it's sometimes not obvious who the kids' parents are and things like that as well. I love that, that the fact that what we're called to be is kingdom. What we're called to be is God's people. And when, when the prayer says, your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as in heaven. Just hold that. Your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as in heaven. We're going to look a bit into heaven tonight to start with. And then a lot of that is, is enforcing Jesus' victory. But that comes in that kingdom is not a structure, it's a people. And it's us. And we are here, utterly, what's, this, what's the text this morning? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. New creation. The, new, the new has come, the old has gone. gone. Right? We are a new creation. Now, we live, in a, we live in that intermediate space between absolute truth and we are the new creation and we're full of the spirit and stuff. And we're living in a world that's fallen and full of evil. One of the tabloids this week had a headline in like, you know, you know if the tabloids have headlines in like, I don't know, um, 127 point font, in case you can't read. But it just said, evil is still evil. And I forget which one it was, I think there's a sun actually. And I caught you, I thought, whoa, yeah, you're so right. People sometimes think that, you know, that, that evil somehow has gone away. I mean, not us, because we see it, don't we? Yeah. We see the prince of the world everywhere. But evil is still evil. And we live in this world where it's sometimes hard to live in the truth of what and who we are because it's a pretty mucked up world. And it's, it, sometimes it's mucking up, mucks up our thinking. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, we'll come back a couple of times to that. Um, brilliant link to tonight, by the way. I mean, all praise to Laurie for choosing 2 Corinthians 5, 16, 17 this morning and Revelation 21, 1 this evening. Um, either he or the Holy Spirit got it right. Let's think about that. says, you know, we used to think of it Christ in a worldly way, but we try not anymore. That's what tonight's about. But if you want to go to, if you want to just fall asleep for the next 20 minutes while I talk, it's going to land in that place. Just saying to you again, church, that though we're going to look at the final outcome of heaven, because that's what Revelation's about really in 21-22, it's not something that's distant and we're not part of. It's present now. Every part of what Jesus won for us is, is seeing now. We, just, we don't live in it fully because we live in a fallen world. All right? It's the, it's the now and not yet of the kingdom. We don't have to work at being a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is done, finished, sorted, a new creation. What we have to work at sometimes is living in the truth of who we are in a world that's where evil is still evil. Should we pray? God, as we come to the Word, as we come to the Bible, we come to these amazing passages. Father, I sort of pray you'd rein me in a bit here. And Lord, your Spirit would take stuff that's important and challenging and encouraging for us and speak it into our spirits. We just bind up every attempt of the enemy to confuse, distract Any spirit of confusion, just bind yourself in the foot of the cross. And we want to release the joyous liberty of the children of God in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. People said, Amen. Amen.
So the text, first of all, let's the text, first of all. This is Revelation 20, something rather, uh, 22, 1 to 5. There we go. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Did I say, did that, was that I put down first? My bad. Oh, it's 22. Okay, the whole thing. Here we go. I put my whole screen full. I can't cope with that. One verse at a time. Here we go. You want a Bible? It's Revelation 22, verse 1. The title is The River of Life, and there it is. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. And his name will be written on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. Amen. The the, the title I gave is The River, the Water of Life. And and that is where we're going to centre this. But I just want to say a couple of things first. um, uh, Because the whole of these two chapters, 21, 22, the last two chapters of the whole Bible... Uh, are about the, 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 the end, the, the new Jerusalem. Uh, it says in, 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 I think it's the next verse I put down, I put down like 21.1, verse 21.1, Rev 21.1. There you go. Oh no, Reverend 21.1, previous chapter. Starts off with Jesus saying, make all things new, the new heaven and it comes down. There we go. Not quite. Okay, in a minute. He sees the new heaven coming down, new Jerusalem coming down. And, and it's all about, it's, it's two chapters together. Now, later on, some other people are going to take aspects of that, about the city and about, about the trees of life and stuff. I'm, I'm on the river. But because I can do what I like tonight and no one can tell me off, I can't help a slight digression right into this bit. There I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven had passed away. I'm going to do it in the context of, you need context. You can't take 22, 1 to 5 without a little bit of 21, all right? But I'm aware I might say some stuff that with which Wendy, when she talks about the city, might disagree. And you're very welcome to, because I won't be here. <laughs> or Jared, I think, is doing one of them. I think Laurie's doing one as well. I can't remember quite. But anyway, do, I say this, but I know you probably won't. But do get a chance to sit quietly and read these two chapters as a piece. It's very easy sometimes when we do this preaching stuff to take things out of it. But, but I, you know, you, I do, do what I'm doing now, but that comes out of reading it. I've read this so many times, these two chapters. They're amazing chapters. And the more I read it, the more I see into it. Right? I mean, it's a bit like, woo! Because it's a vision of heaven. But some things that I think, some things I'm going to say some stuff that none of the commentators say. That's why I think I can say them, because no one's going to get me elsewhere. And I'm probably therefore completely wrong. But I don't know if I am. And, and I think, in some ways, I think that there's some really important truths in what I want to try and say from it. But the first thing I want to say is that, that whether you like it or not, Genesis starts, the Bible starts, the story of God with man starts in a garden and ends in a city. And I, I just think the little bit here where people always seem to want to go back to what was nice, that people always want to go back to the good old days when it was better. Um, you know, a lot of our people in church would think, well, in the old days. And God is never looking backwards. It's always I'm doing a new thing, Isaiah 43, right? God is always going forward. And, and, and there's something about us 
that somehow hankers after the safety of the past rather than the uncertainty of the future. That's why I don't mind being knocked unconscious by an 18-year-old who's got no control. Because <laughs> young people get it. They only look forward, right? There's no, it's not because they're, they're, they're holy people. It's just because that's all they've got, <laughs> right? Whereas sometimes when we get like, old and mature, we give up looking forward and we look back. Uh, of course, there's an element of knowing God's faithfulness in the past and wrestling on that. But our future is the future. God's doing a new thing. And the story starts in a garden but ends in a city. When God said in the garden, be fruitful and multiply and fill it, he flipping meant it. And the fall doesn't break that. We did it wrong because of the fall, do you get? The way we filled the Jude, the earth has been wrong as a, as a whole race. But the command to be fruitful and multiply, it was always God's intention to be billions of us. His intention wasn't just to have Adam and Eve. It was always to be fruitful and multiply and fill it. And that, in the end, is going to work out. But John's vision of the new Jerusalem, John's vision of, the new, of heaven coming down to earth, the new creation, is of a fulfillment. It's not a going back to. Where have you heard that before? Jesus doesn't come to abolish the law. He comes to fulfill it. And, and a whole of these two chapters, is, it, it's like, whoa, and it's multidimensional and weirdo, but it's, a, it's going to where the fulfillment is. It fulfills all the promises in the past. Completely. It outweighs them. It's not like we're going back to Eden. One of the, um, one of the translations says it. It's sort of, you know those paragraph headings you get in the Bible sometimes? I don't know who puts them in, actually. You know, not part of the text, but to help you. Um, one of them says that, and it's not a return to Eden in that sense at all. The river of life, which is my topic, really, is um, what I'm going to talk about. And there's no doubt that this chapter, 22, the one I should be talking about, reflects back to an Old Testament prophecy in Ezekiel 46-47. And I have to say, just in passing again, again, I can say this stuff because I'm not going to be here for a bit, I don't know of any stronger illustration of the principle that there's a developing theology through the Bible. That in the Old Testament, there's absolute true revelation, but it isn't the end. And what you get in the New Testament is a fulfillment of that in many ways. Ezekiel gets his vision of what God's going to do when he sorts the world out. And it's a brilliant vision. And in his vision, guess what? The core thing is a temple. It's a flipping huge temple. It's 13 kilometers squared. Right? But it's a temple he sees. And in his vision, uh, did I put Ezekiel 47? There we go. Look, this is the second part of it. It's described the temple and all the stuff of the temple in 46. In 47, he says this, The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold. By the way, if you're a homeowner, and you see water coming out from under your doorstep, worry about it. Call Neil quickly. No, turn the stopcock off, then call Neil. Right? It's not a good thing, but in this case it was a good thing. And, and a little, little where did I get to? Uh, water coming up under the threshold, right, under the doorstop, towards the east, for the temple faced east. Never quite sure why, but it does. Sunrise, I don't know. The, the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple. You've got to think about this carefully. It does make sense, believe me. South of the altar. And it goes out. And, 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 there's more? more? Oh, yeah, him right out through the north gate. 
and they'd be around the outside of the gate facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. That's enough. Uh, it goes on, and I'll say some more about it in a second. We don't read the whole chapter again. If you want to, go home and read Ezekiel 46, 47. Right? This picture. Where did, our, where did our river in Revelation come from? This is a test. Did you listen to the first reading? Where does our river come from in Revelation 22? I'm going to pick on somebody. Good. Excellent. Where does it come from, Ezekiel? The altar in the temple. Whoa. Now, which one is right? I'll tell you, right's the wrong word for it, I know. But you see, Ezekiel's got this picture of God bringing Israel back in, redeeming Israel and making new things new. He's got an idea. He's got, it's right. He sees a proper vision, but it's in his context, a temple. There's no temple in the new Jerusalem. Why not? Why is there no temple in the new city that comes down from heaven in Revelation 22? We don't need a temple. No. In Ezekiel 46, it goes on about sacrifice. There's loads of sacrifice. More sacrifice, I think, than there was in the old temple, in, in David's temple, Solomon's temple. There's no sacrifice in Jerusalem, in the New Jerusalem. I don't know what, you, what God's... I mean, there's, I suppose, a partial fulfilment of Ezekiel's vision in Herod's temple that was built before Jesus' time and was there when Jesus was there. It was nothing like what Ezekiel saw. It's not as big, it's not as glorious. It hasn't got the things around it, the nation's but, but there's a sort of fulfilment. But you see, what John sees is a much clearer picture of the new Jerusalem, the city that comes down from heaven, that is the final resolution of all the issues of the world, where God will dwell with his people and we'll see him face to face. Well, that verse we just read in verse 5, 25. Now, you know if I'm doing this sort of thing, you don't go away without a little bit of math somewhere. Uh, I don't know, can you get me um, 21 verse 16? Uh, sorry. 21 verse 16, Revelation 21 16. Now, oh, that was quick. Uh, Ezekiel's temple is 13 kilometers square. 13 by 13 kilometers. He uses cubits, but 13 by 13 kilometers. That's big, isn't it? Huge temple. John's new city is 12,000 stadia in length as width and height. The Greek is exact. The length and breadth and height of it are equal. You don't need to be a mathematician to know what he's describing. What object has got the same length as depth as breadth? John's new city is three-dimensional. It's that way and that way. And it... You don't know how big a stadium it is, do you? It's flipping ginormous. It's not quite the radius of the Earth... It's about a third the range of the earth. It's unbelievably big. Now, one of the three things about this. One is, it is just out of all proportion. You know, it's, it's the fulfillment. I, I worked out that if you work out the average living space, volume living space, of a person uh, in Amersham, and if every person that's ever lived were to uh, be in heaven, then there's the volume of the city of London times 100,000 per person in this volume. I don't suppose every person they believe will be in heaven, but it's just ridiculously big. But that's not what I really want. What's not really hit me. What hit me is this. When Ezekiel describes a two-dimensional temple, 13 by 13, to make sense, it has to have a third dimension. Doesn't it? Yeah. 
When we say London is 20 miles, or 20 miles, it has to have somewhere as well. To make sense of a three-dimensional city, it's got to have another dimension. And there are various prophecies in the Old Testament, the wheels within wheels in Ezekiel, which only make sense. I don't know quite how this pans out, but I want to say this, that I've always worried somehow about how the new creation can be, and it's, and it's like now. We get, don't we get a little bit sometimes, because we've got God's spirit in us now. We, we know a little bit what it's going to be like in the new, in the new Jerusalem, because, and isn't it sometimes the fact we like get things and see things? And we sense things? which are happening or going to happen, how does that work out? Which are almost not in the normal space-time that we live in. And somehow, and I don't know how, but the new creation is bigger and fuller than we can even begin to think. And I think that's a hint here. I don't know if John understands it. I'm not sure if John had any idea how big the rate people have measured it. Aristarchus has measured it 300 BC, so it was known by his time, but I'm not sure whether John actually knew that value. But what he sees is something, I think, multidimensional. Every picture I've ever seen, <laughs> drawn of this, is a two-dimensional city coming down out of heaven. Right? But I think, I think they've missed something. The new creation is above and beyond. And I don't know quite what that looked like, but what I do know is, it's not just a, like a new bit of this world, it is completely beyond, somehow or other. And in that space, there is the throne of God <coughs> with a lamb. And we'll see God face to face. All of us at the same time. In a normal city, it's really quite hard to get close to someone. You get these things where the queen's handing out bondly money, whatever. And you can only get close to her in that space a few at a time. But in a multidimensional city, you can all be close at the same time. Those who are interested more about this, I'm going to stop now because I'm going to get carried away. The river is a river of life. It gives life. So does the one in Ezekiel. Now, the one in Ezekiel is like this couple of cool things about it. Again, this comes a thing about the theology is dodgy. But in Ezekiel River, uh, he goes out, Ezekiel, outside the temple, and the river goes out of the temple, and it gets deeper. The further he goes, the deeper it gets. Which is really bizarre, because there's no like, tributaries coming, it just gets deeper. But it's a river of life. He says, wherever it goes, there's life. He talks about, in his vision, the river is clearly going, the Jordan, he talks about where it's going into, the Dead Sea. It makes the Dead Sea alive. It's a river of life. And the one in Revelation is the river of the water of life. It's living water. Where have you heard that phrase before? Where have we heard in the Gospel talking about living water? I'll come back there in a second. Why does Ezekiel's river get deeper the further it gets away from the temple? That's sort of and then I thought, wonder, is what Ezekiel's seeing there this rather weird truth that the river, I think, is primarily the life of the Holy Spirit. The river in the New Jerusalem comes from the throne of the Lamb and of God. And we say, if we say the creed, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. And John, Jesus talks, and I'll come back to it to John 7 in a minute, but he talks about giving us living water, and, and John says that he, when he talks about living water, he means the Holy Spirit, which is to be given. That's our life. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us life. It, not, not the physical life, that was you know, by whatever birth or whatever, but my spiritual life is given by the Holy Spirit. I live in the flow of that life. And I wonder whether the Ezekiel thing, Ezekiel would, would ha- not like me for saying this, that somehow the further we get from the legality of the old religion, the deeper we are in the Spirit. And I want to be careful saying this. Remember, the, what, 
The law is good. And if you kept it, it would get you to heaven, but no one did. But there's an element in even when you're redeemed, even when you become a Christian, and you're all Christians, aren't you? You're all in Christ, you're all a new creation. It's still so easy sometimes to live by the old way. The old way is, oh, what do I do here? Rule 37B, I think. Maybe it's 37C, but I'll just check. 37B, I'll do that. It makes me safe because I think I'm doing right, the right thing. Whereas, I'm not sure Jesus did that. And I think ultimately we're not called to that. What should I do here? Holy Spirit, what should I do here? Now, Holy Spirit knows the law and gets it right. But in a funny way, what, what we, I think, called to do, the further you get away from that legalism, that old religion stuff, the deeper you are in the river of the Spirit, because you've nothing else to do. And I think, it's, I think it's, oh, I've been a Christian for too long. No, no, I don't mean that, Lord, you know what I mean? A long time, and still I find myself somehow not willing to let go and trust Holy Spirit. I still would like lines and rules for me. And, and I think that's part of what Ezekiel sensed. And I think that's the core thing about giving life, the river giving life. Now, can we go back to Revelation 21, wherever it was? Oh, he's got, oh, okay, we'll do it. Do I stop? Do it. No, we've got here. We'll do this while we're here. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Has he got the next bit as well or not? Yeah, good lad. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given. since Jesus been glorified. Go back, please, to 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of will flow from the throne of God. Where do this, where's the stream of living water flow from? Well, see, they're both true. It flows from the throne of God and of the Lamb, which is where? <laughs> Within us. You see, it's present already. John has a vision of the fulfillment, the total final thing, when God has sorted everything out. And he says, absolutely truthfully, anyway, but it's, always, it's already true. The river of life, the river of the water of life flows already from the throne of God, but it flows from us, with us. Amen. Yeah. Now, if you don't get this, uh, getting it's actually part of it, living it's something else. Hang on. If anyone's in Christ, here's a... It's done. It's sorted. Everything's there. The old is gone and new has come. However, back a verse, 16, Paul says, therefore we no longer think of people worldly. We think of people from this new perspective. There's an element of having to work at it. Element of having to be willing to let out the truth that's in us, that the river of the spirit of life flow through us and live in that, in a world that's, where evil is still evil. It's not a conducive place to live as a Christian. The world is not designed to make it easier for us to live as Christians. Amen? It's too much stuff presses in on us. The river of the water of life flows in us and through us. And that thing that Jesus says about living water, I'm sure is part of what, I'm sure it's the core truth of what water is. It comes out throughout the New Testament. If you're on the parish weekend, uh, Ian talked about various things when the River Jordan comes up and talk about water as well. And talk about having it being like a tree planted by water, right? Being nourished by the Spirit. But let's go back to Revelation 21, where I should be really. Am I in trouble yet, Laurie, or not? Revelation 21. Uh, 
Uh, really, uh, where, that's, that's, no, no, sorry, 22. I'm, my bad. I'm mucking you around. My chapter, 21 to 5. 22. <clears throat> Flows from the cross, no, it's close. Keep going. Down the middle of the street. On each side, back at the back, so you're there. On each side of the river stood the. Okay, just hold that and read it again. On each side of the river, how many sides has the river got? Two. I want to correct you. A river only has two sides in two dimensions. Where is the tree? <laughs> the tree, not the trees, the tree is on both sides. Again, the commentators seem to scam over this as if it's like a mistake that John made. He got the plural wrong somewhere or other. Right? The tree of life. Where's the tree of life come from? Genesis, garden, that snake thing, remember? Right? Tree of life. And, and when, 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 when it all happens and goes badly wrong, God says, no, whoa, don't let them get near the tree of life. We'll cut them out and put a seraphim thing with a sword, which is a bit like a Minecraft thing, but outside the garden, stop them getting in. Uh, and and, and, and that's, that's the tree of life's barred. But no, no, the tree of life now is on both sides of the river. You see, we don't go back to the garden with the tree of life. We go forward to a situation where it's like sort of everywhere. Everyone can get to it. I, don't, I can't visualise it because I'm tied at the moment to my own three years space time. But John sees it in his mind. He sees it. He sees a vision. And I don't know what it looks like to him at all, but he writes it down. He writes the words down. And he says, the tree of life is on both sides of the river. But it bears fruit. I guess this is also Ezekiel. The leaves are for the tree healing of the nations in Ezekiel too. There's something about the tree of life which, is, we're in a, which we have access to. Because that's what Jesus does. We have a new creation. We've got life. We've got life in all its fullness. And it's forever life. And that life we've got. And the tree gives its fruit in its seasons. Everything complete. Everything. 12 months a year. Right? He sees the completeness of that. But the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And again, there's something in that about the way... The kingdom will come, absolutely, and God will judge and sort things out. But actually, already, the the life that we know in Jesus, the output of that, the stuff that comes from that, is the healing of the nations. And that's what we're called to be as a a kingdom. Sorry, as a people. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. And we are the people who enforce that. We are the people of God, the people who are in that flow of the river. Oh, my friends, I don't think we understand a tiny bit of the depth of the inheritance that we have in Christ. And we sometimes struggle, and we struggle because we're a new creation, but we live in a fallen world. And we often slip back into old ways of thinking and doing, but we don't have to. We will, and we get forgiveness for it, and don't get guilty about it, but, but, but we don't have to. We are a new creation. And somehow the whole truth of Revelation 21, 22, that new city, is already in, in, in us. And it has to, God wants it to work out. And I think, I think this 
talk tonight, I, th- I think in a way, I just want us to raise our sights to the amazing God that we serve. Who didn't give up on us when we fell in the garden and the snake thing. And didn't give up on us at all. But he works towards, I don't know what the time scale is, I don't know how it's going to look, that's it, but works towards a complete fulfilment. Not a word of his promise will fall. And, and it will be absolutely glorious. And don't you know, fret about what it's going to look like or what's going to be there. Because we'll be in a city with God. There's no light, because God's its light. We'll see him face to face, and then on our forehead, those things that confirm the fact that we deserve to be there. And there'll be a river of life still. There'll be the same Holy Spirit flowing, giving life to all things. The life that we already live. Not fully, because we're about fallen world. But it's all there. I've got so much more I could say. But we're mainly about worship. And I promised myself I wouldn't go more than half an hour. When I'm in Africa next week, and I get, if I get to preach anywhere, I know I can go on for three hours and no one's going to care. They won't listen, mind you, but it won't matter. But here, uh, we're English and half an hour's enough. Do you want to just take a moment's quiet? If you have a Bible or a phone, go on, turn up Revelation 22 and read the first five verses. It'll be on screen as well, but it might be easier looking down at it in your own space. Turn up Revelation, Rev, last chapter of the Bible, chapter 22, and just read the first five verses again. And let Holy Spirit speak to you. Again, John's going to come and we're going to worship in a minute. Worship is... Uh, natural breath it's, it's what we're made to do sometimes even that requires a real effort or that's, it should be a natural thing sometimes we have to make an effort to, to put aside stress and hassle and come into Father's presence Holy Spirit just, just come now do your gracious work Father we want to worship you in spirit and truth. Lord, each one of us individually, but also corporately, we want to come into your presence and and just declare your worth and and just stand amazed at what you are and what you've done, Lord God, and of his son Jesus and what he gave to us. Just the amazing way he walked and lived in the river of the water of life. Jesus, Jesus come. Father, we lay aside the world stuff. Any stuff that we want to say sorry for that we know is in the way. Just say, just confess it and dumb it out of the way. And accept your full forgiveness. Bless you, God, that we are new creations. That you love us and you look on us and you smile. And you say, my beloved child, come. You have the right to see me face to face. And we, I just, yeah, blows me away, God.
beginning as we start, just, just feel free to stand, to sit, to dance, to lay. To... Feel free also to, if you have if we, words that are for someone, we trust each other here, I think, just go and give them. If they're for the group, then bounce them off Laurie or, or Wendy or me first. <clears throat> Come Holy Spirit. Wash in power flow in our presence now, in our worship now. <clears throat> <clears throat>